What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Ben and Chris Talk Sports. I'm Chris. I'm Ben. We're here to bring you our opinions on the news notes and happenings from around the world of sports. Episode 167. Good show planned for you, I gotta tell you. Without the NFL, without steady NFL news, it was hard to put together a, uh, a rundown for a respectable show, but we did do it. Uh, today we're gonna start with MLB. Not really any change. Rob Manfred's still a complete tool. Uh, has no idea what he's doing and is reaffirming his status as the Grim Reaper shepherding baseball towards its untimely demise. Canceled regular season games as of uh, recording on Saturday. I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday came out that they were going to cancel the first two series of the regular season. Um, I think the owners or uh, execs came out and unanimously decided, almost unanimously decided, to not have the Rule 5 draft this year. They're canceling things before the season even starts. Uh, and Manfred's on the podium laughing, cracking jokes. Um, this guy's exactly what I've been calling him for two years now. The worst commissioner in the history of organized professional sports. He's a clown. At best, he would have to improve just to suck. I mean, I I've, I've, don't know how many times I've used that line on this show in particular. Uh, and on my other podcast, I, I, <laughs> I uh, had a little bit more colorful rant. Um, this past, this past Wednesday, because we, uh, we can swear. And as my co-host says, we use the non-Jesus words on that podcast. I mean, I don't know. I don't know where else to go with this guy. This guy is a clown. He's awful. Who, who's been worse than this guy? Overall body of work, start to finish throughout history. Who's been worse? I mean, it's essentially starting to, starting the beginning of the end of the, his sport, so I would say him. Realistically, he. I, I said this last year. I think this is building up to a point where it's just, it may be a sport. It just may not be, the sport everyone remembers it to be. It's not going to be. These national TV deals are just going to diminish over time and. Eventually, they're going to be fourth or fifth on the list of sports. Soccer might actually take some hold in the in the United States only because of attrition. Because, as we've talked about, the average age of a baseball fan is is getting up there mm-hmm. into their sixties and seventies. And you know, you can say what you want about soccer is not. Um popular in the united states and it's probably the number one sport in globally but as these kids in their their early ages and into their teens are kind of getting influenced into that sport they're going to grow with that sport and, and they'll decide on their own if they're going to attach themselves to another sport but realistically this right here not playing um, is just not good for the sport at all. Even though they haven't yet missed a game, they've already slated to miss games. Now you have the college baseball uh, still going on, and, and maybe that's something for, for baseball fans to kind of grab, grab onto and, and, and kind of kind of get their hands on. But realistically, like it, it's just not the same. It's... It's just a dying sport that the owners 
and Manford and, and to a lesser extent, but still the ba- baseball players are, are slowly killing it. And they need to really look in the mirror and, and decide what they want to do and how they want to go forward. Because I've said this many times, Chris, um, each sport evolves their game each and every year. Uh, it may be increment, small increments. Right. It may be a tweak here. Maybe a tweak there. Baseball is the one that I can just look at and say, you haven't done anything since the introduction to, of the DH. And I may be a little, a little overstating on that. There may well, be nothing changes. to improve it. That's for sure. No, nothing to greatly improve it. Nothing to, to bring it back to where it was two hours, two and a half hours where you can get through a game quickly. Cause it is the, I, as I've heard from older sports writers and, and older fans, it's the mystique and the awe of the game is that there is no time. It could, you don't know when it's going to end. Well, that, it, that mystique around it is kind of over. Because we're in a time and age where time is finite. You, you have so much going on in your life, no matter what age you are, that you need to kind of plan out when you're going to watch a sport or go to a sporting event. And if it's six hours of your time that you're going to spend at a live sporting event or three and a half, four hours watching it on television you might have to decide on not watching that and you know the Super Bowl is an exception there there is a little bit more time to that than than a normal football game but realistically a normal football game you're you're start watching at one o'clock and by four 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 fifteen boom yeah you're on to the next and And if you feel go ahead the level of action is just different yeah. It keeps you. It keeps it, you intrigued the entire time. I mean, it, baseball is pitch. Forty-five seconds, pitch. Forty-five seconds, pitch. Did anything happen? No. We oh, we have a ten pitch at bat. Fantastic. So there's almost five minutes of your life watching some third string second baseman foul off five pitches, and nothing's happening. Like to your point, I don't want to. I don't want to. Uh, I know I. I probably cut you off there. I'm sorry. But like, to your point, uh, you know, it's older generation, the average age of uh, MLB fans, they don't have tolerance for this crap. They don't. They're not, you know, they, they don't have the patience for, oh, it's not going to be on because they're arguing about this, they're arguing about that, they can't get the contract situation figured out, which is why it's a dying sport. Much to my chagrin. We did that sport court over a year ago now, well over a year ago, and I thought I made some pretty good points with the caveat of they need to learn from their mistakes and continue to move forward in a positive direction, and they went U-turn back to Negativeville, and nothing changed. Nothing for the positive, at least. Um, yeah, this is... <laughs> in, 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 you know, the 80s and before that, and you know, early 90s, even late 90s, early 2000s to an extent when the internet wasn't absolutely everywhere and you didn't have a 100,000 options at your fingertips to watch at all times. You get away with a five-hour baseball game. It didn't happen very often because they moved the game along. But you could get away with it. 
because nobody had anything else to do. If you're watching your team play on a, on a Thursday night and it's, it's you know, I don't know, uh, 4 o'clock start time, 7 o'clock start time, and the game goes 4 or 5 hours, you're going to be tired at work, but you're going to be like, man, I got to watch live entertainment all night. That's awesome. Now, it's like, look at these idiots out there. They're all doing their, their superstition, their friggin', uh, you know, their, their in-between-each-pitch superstition, the moves and all that stuff, and, you know, touching the bat nine times and <laughs> whatever whatever it is. And, you know, actually, you know, honestly, I don't even think that's it. Because that used to happen all the time still, too. Superstition's not new in baseball. And games are every four hours. So, I don't know what it is. Baseball doesn't know what it is. And it's their job to figure out what it is. And they have no idea. I, I yeah, I I, I I just said my piece on baseball. It's, yeah, you know, uh, I don't have the passion you have right now because I kind of unloaded on it previously over the years, and I, I was I've relegated to letting it go. So whatever I have left is is kind of done. I'm still honest. in the I'm still in the phase where I'm sending you text messages waiting for a response, and uh, I haven't quite let it go yet. So, uh, I mean, I have, but I haven't. I, 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 I do want to say, I, I don't, I don't let the players off the hook as much as a lot of people do. Not because I think they're wrong. I understand what the whole service time and a lot of the things that are they're trying to work out with the CBA. I think they're in the right. My problem with them is it's the same thing every time a collective bargaining agreement comes up for negotiation. It's like you don't know what's coming five years out. They do them every five years, right? I believe. I thought it was ten. Oh, it might be ten. Ten's even worse because you know a ten years out. But I also think they can collectively bargain right when that ends. So it could it could just deter it could be determined by what like the agreement is. Okay. But, but so but but the point is still they they know when it's gonna end. They know, yes. So it, it's written into all the contracts. They understand that. And here we are again, again, with a stoppage and all this nonsense. And who knows how long it's going to go? Because there were there were rumors that Dave Manfred canceled games earlier that day that they were this close to an agreement. And they, they uh, uh, the owners gave an extension, and they were going to work it out. And yeah. then Manfred comes out, cancels games, and it said, I don't know where that report came from. They were never close. This was never going to not happen. They were always going to have to cancel games. And then Manfred has the balls to stand up and say, people we feel worse for are the fans. Uh, Rob, Rob, uh, this is a league-initiated work stoppage. You guys have locked the players out. Uh, So maybe if I'm the players, I mean, I understand. I understand they're trying to do PR and, and it look good, but maybe don't wait until 10 minutes before the deal's up to start negotiating. Maybe say a year out, we got to get some folks in a room together and hammer out the fine details. So even if it isn't completely figured out yet, we have enough to go on. So there's no stoppage. This doesn't happen again. If we don't look like idiots in the public, which they all do, every one of them does. And, uh, yeah, real, that's all I have to say on that, except real quick. I remember I told you when all this talk about potential lockout started, uh, I got, uh, I'm got i in a, a keeper league, a fantasy baseball keeper league. And uh, 
been playing in it for about 11 years now and it's aside from i mean the, the most one of the most fun baseball leagues i've ever been in everybody in there is super knowledgeable it's big you know relatively big rosters because it's baseball you really got a deep dive to find good quality players late in the draft it's an auction draft so you got to balance how much you're going to spend on this guy and that guy and who you're going to keep next year and who you're not it's a lot of fun if you're a baseball stat nut like i am like old school stats not the sabermetrics bullshit old school stats it's a blast guy who runs it following up on his promise a few months ago he, he, you know, really nice guy, diehard baseball fan, even more so than myself, diehard baseball fan. Writes to everybody in the league and said, I'd just like to let you all know, uh, the league has ended. We will not be playing in this league anymore. I'm done with baseball. I am tired of these people keep holding my time hostage, my fandom hostage. Uh, my advice to you would be to find anything better to do with your time than worried about the millionaires and billionaires fighting over pennies. And that's a lifelong diehard fan who bought countless tickets to go to Red Sox games every season. And he just washed his hands. He's done. And if I know anything about this guy, he's not coming back. He's Once he decides, he's gone. This is what they're doing. Not only can they not draw in the younger generation, they can't keep the older generation. And then they look at half-empty stadiums and go, well, <laughs> we're not making enough revenue. We got up the ticket prices. And then I had I got a, I got a uh, an email the other day to purchase MLB uh, twenty two for PS five. I just laugh. I deleted. I'm like you morons. You're still sending out these damn emails trying to get people to buy your shit, and you can't even agree to get on the field. Top to bottom, top to bottom, and MLB for an office is where it has to start. There has to be a shake up. There has to be something new. Otherwise, like you said. Soccer's going to overtake them. Hockey's going to overtake them. If they haven't already, honestly. And they just seem completely oblivious to it. The money's only going to keep coming in for so long. All right. I assume you're good on that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm perfectly fine. No yeah. offense. I'm just, I'm just... No, no. I, I Unless, unless something else comes up, I don't. we don't need to rehash that. I only brought it up in this episode because a couple of different things that happened and uh, they hadn't canceled games as of last week yet. So I did want to update that because I mean, being a sports podcast, even if it's unpleasant to talk about, we kind of need to, <clears throat> I knew a, well, not necessarily happier topic, but positive topic. Uh, Mike Krzyzewski, uh legendary, legendary coach for Duke university. Uh, will be coaching his final regular season game today after 42 seasons. Uh, I mean, <laughs> here's here's how long he's been Duke head coach for. Sean McVay wasn't even born yet when he was when he when he started. <laughs> the dude, the dude who just won the Super Bowl at the Rams, the the brainchild everybody loves in the NFL, and and rightfully so. He's 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 great. Uh, wasn't even alive when Mike Shishovsky started. Guess how long Michael Jordan had been in the NBA. Uh, what, like a season or two? He wasn't. He started coaching the, uh, Duke the year before Michael Jordan started playing in North Carolina. Michael Jordan went through his entire college career, his entire NBA career, his, uh, you know, much chagrined baseball career, uh, back to the NBA, retirement, out of retirement, the whole nine yards, up until today, 
was during the course of Mike Krzyzewski's career. That's how long this guy's been doing it at Duke. Five national championships, uh, almost 1,200 regular season wins, countless Coach of the Year awards. Like Duke or not, it's not what this is about. It's about recognizing somebody who's done a great job at a very high level for a very long time. And to the best of my knowledge, without much controversy, I don't ever remember anything really damning coming out about the guy. And in 42 years, something would have if there was something to come out. So, uh, and of course, his last regular season games, fittingly enough, they're playing North Carolina, which is like an epic college basketball rivalry. Uh, And back when players played two or three seasons in college before going to the NBA, when I was a college basketball nut, that was a game I always looked forward to, even though I'm not a diehard fan of either team. It was always an intense game and the crowd was always super fired up. Um, They said tickets for that game are going for up to $50,000 a piece. Like, whew, good luck with that. That's 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 a sizable chunk of, of an entire uh, house payment. So I I couldn't justify that. I don't I don't I don't care what it is. But if you got the money and you're going, you know, good luck, have fun. But um, yeah, I don't know if you have anything to say on that. I just wanted to recognize that we you know we bring up a lot of the negative a lot of times. I wanted to bring up a nice story too. Guys had a great career, and his team is ranked number four. As of today, they're going to get into the NCAA tournament. Who knows from there? Maybe maybe he has a storybook ending. Uh, there's not much I can add to that. I mean, there is a fun little fact that he started as a assistant in at the University of Indiana in 1974 to 75. Why is that interesting? Well, a coach by the name of Bobby Knight was in his fourth season, so he kind of Kind of learned some stuff from Bobby Knight, at least for a year. So it's an interesting little tidbit of, uh, you know, his history and how kind of different he was from Bobby Knight completely. And uh, yeah, yeah I mean, different demeanors, huh? <laughs> wow. I, I could go over all the awards and accolades, but I mean, it's that's a podcast onto its own about how much he's garnered over the years, how many prospects he sent to the NBA whether they were successful or not. He's had countless offers for NBA coaching jobs and he's declined them all. It, it's, this is kind of like what Nick Saban should have done. It's what um, Davo Sweeney down in Clemson's going to do. It's just, you built this aura atmosphere at college in the college level and do you really want to go to the NBA and see if you can perform there? Or are you good with building this and, and taking young men and building them up and sending them off into to the world to try to be better and be better people? And that might just be what he wanted to do. Because uh, realistically, Mike Krzyzewski can do whatever he wants down in, in um, at Duke and nothing's going to happen to him good bad or indifferent whatever your opinion of that is i mean he's garnered that respect he's earned that right and the guy's just gonna go off into retirement who knows what he's gonna do but he really realistically he'll be like some board member um i could think of of bob stoops he's a uh high official in at over at oklahoma 
after he retired, he handed the job over to Lincoln Riley and he elevated to a position where he can just sit back, do some television for, uh, for um, network television as an analyst, kind of be part of a university, but not really need to be in the day in day out operations. That's what he can do and just kind of be a face of the school face of the sport. Uh once he detaches himself from Duke, as far as coaching wise, I mean, he can be an ambassador for NBA, uh, the college basketball, and just be a figurehead that can be reliable and dependable. And sometimes that's 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 just enough, and that's what the some sports just need. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's what you know. Just wanted you know, I wanted to bring that up, and I'm I'm glad. Uh... I'm glad I contacted before we started recording today because I, I really, you know, it's it's. I remember watching it when I was a kid, and I was never, I always kind of rooted for the underdog, which is kind of funny because I'm a Patriots fan, but they were at one time the underdog. <laughs> uh, so I was never really that big on Duke, but I mean, this guy has always carried himself, like you said, with a a a, a positive energy around him. Uh, so I, you know, just congrats on a great career and. Good luck wherever you go next. I just saw this, and I didn't actually see it yesterday when apparently it happened. Um, we're getting an NFL anyways. We're going to get into a little bit of combine talk, and you had a nice story. A nice story you wanted to share that I didn't I didn't hear about. Apparently yesterday, the Washington Commanders formally offered the Seahawks a trade for Russell Wilson. And they rejected it. Uh, absolutely. 100%. Uh, Washington has made no, since they got their name changed, apparently they decided they want to actively try to play football again. Uh realizing that they have I mean Terry McLaurin if he has a competent quarterback is absolutely top 10 receiver in the league we don't even know how much higher than that he could go because he hasn't had a steady competent quarterback Taylor Heineke look nice story might be fine in some systems he's not bringing them where they need to go it's just not going to happen he doesn't have he's not the guy who's going to bring them to the promised land so they've made they've made no secret of the fact that they want to start this new era with a new name, the commanders with a new franchise quarterback. Uh, they said they have, they will consider everybody from Aaron Rodgers to Russell Wilson. Uh, apparently the offer was multiple first round picks, which is not a surprise, which to get Russ is that's what it's going to cost. Let's be honest. And they declined. Um, I'm still not sold on the fact he won't get traded. I'm really not. I think if it gets later in the offseason and they have not done enough to convince him that, you know, it's 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 worth it for him to stay in Seattle with that makeshift offensive line, you could definitely see him uh moved. I I I, I think it's Seattle be crazy not to. You save you clear cap space, you get first round picks, which you need because you just spent them to get Jamal Adams a few years ago. Uh, and for Russell Wilson, there's no loss there. Antonio Gibson looks to be like, looks like he's going to be a tremendous running back for a couple of years at least. You know, a short lifespan for running backs in the NFL, so we'll see how long. But he's only going into year three. Uh, Terry McLaurin looks, like I said, top ten receiver easily. Uh, who's the other kid they got from? Um, oh man, Cur- Curtis Samuel. Yeah, from uh, from Carolina uh, last offseason. Look, yeah. not. I'm not saying he's the second coming of Cooper Cup, 
or or you know DeAndre Hopkins, but solid receiver with a good quarterback could really be something. He's not losing a whole lot on the offensive side of the ball if he goes, and he's gaining a lot more on defense and a pretty decent upgraded offensive line. If I'm Russell Wilson, you could do worse than going there. Um, yeah, it's the only one I had, and Aaron Rodgers still has no idea if he's playing or not, so he is absolutely just following Brett Favre's footsteps. So <laughs> he has no idea what he's doing. Uh, those are the two big ones I had. Uh, there's uh, you know, a couple other trade rumors I was going to bring up later in the segment, but as far as that goes, I, I hadn't seen that before. I knew they said they were going to discuss with just about every available quarterback what the options were to upgrade. Because they, they feel, and they may not be wrong, that if they get the right quarterback, they're a QB away from being a serious contender, not only for the division, but for the Super Bowl. And that defense plays this year the way it did two years ago. They'd definitely be right about that. Well, what a, what, a, what Seattle needs to look at uh, and what Russell Wilson needs to look at is we're looking at, I think it was the 17th or 18th um, of this month is free agency. April 28th to the 30th is the draft. So that's about a month, a month and a half to decide if Russell wants to stay in Seattle. Because honestly, this is a Deshaun Watson situation all over again, subtracting the off of the field issues. Right, right. Um, they need to decide quickly because if they don't and they get past the draft. Now, like I said, I'm not I'm not going to bet my farm on any of these quarterbacks. However, if you're Pete Carroll and you want to start building, I mean, you could start building through this draft or you can get a couple pieces in this draft and your first rounds in the future. Any way you slice it. Um, I don't I don't foresee an advantageous trade after the draft, I think you can take advantage of this draft a little bit more. You can still get good value out of Russell after the, um, the draft, but I think it becomes a little bit harder. Negotiations become more difficult because it's, it's that known, known return in this draft of what you're going to get as opposed to, great, I can get three first-round picks from a team for Russell Wilson. But there are three first-round picks midway through the draft. There are three later in the draft. Maybe I get lucky in one year they're top of the draft. You'll get some concrete value this draft because everything's already been slotted. So I think it's just advantageous for them to get some known pieces. Plus, Seattle, as you pointed out, has uh, – has evacuated a lot of their picks because of of um, uh, safety. Why is Jamal, Jamal Adams? Jamal Adams. Thank you. So their first pick is the forty first pick in the draft. Yes. So they clear out the entire first round and all the way to the forty first pick before they get to pick, and maybe they can move up and they can grab you know, a, a top second round pick or they they're high enough in the second round where they can creep into the first round. If, you know, Detroit, Cincinnati, Kansas city, Miami wants to drop out of their, one of their spots, that's possible. But I, I, I'm just, if I'm Seattle, I'm deciding 
And if I'm Pete Carroll, I need to figure out if I'm going to be part of the rebuild. Uh, because if I don't want to be, then then there's no reason to trade Russ. Right, right. And if, and if the front office is like, well, we want to trade him because we can get value. He doesn't want to be here. And we don't want to give him that huge contract that he's looking for. Whereas Pete is like, I, I, I want to win. I want to win now. It's like, now we're, now we're a different opinions. And now the franchise as an ownership and a front office then has to make a direction uh, decision. And this is not the point, March, March, April, to kind of eject your head coach. It's just not. No, no. Nor is it a time to eject your GM, which I think I've seen a couple of GMs in the past decade get uh, get ejected after the draft, which has always befuddled me. But this is not the time. You have a plan in place. So if they're going with Russ, I think I think at this point they're going to go with Russ and they're going to build around him. They're going to get a couple pieces in that free agency and they're going to try to draft something to help him out. We've already pinpointed, I think, either the last episode or previous, the running game is where they need to really focus on. Running game, offensive line. You do that, Russ will be more happy in the pockets because he won't be getting hit as much. Yeah, for sure. And even if they're, you know, those five, seven-step drops, play action, we'll be a little bit more comfortable because if your running game is better, the pass rush is not as bearing down on you and that gives you more time so i think i think russ is not going anywhere at this point i i don't think so either um you know my thing is he was injured last year he was injured two years ago the complaint was the offensive line understandably for anybody who watched that team play is if they go through this season and not only if he gets hurt again, or if they struggle again, after saying we're not trading him for all of this, and they had two 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 years of trade discussions and nothing happened. If they have another year like they had last year, injury or not, there is no way he's back in twenty twenty four or twenty twenty three. Excuse me, there's no way they're going to have to trade him. You're talking two plus years of trade talk. It's not getting better on the field. No one's getting any younger. They're going to have to. So if I were the Seahawks, honestly, just look at the Texans. Like you said, off-field stuff aside, they had a prime opportunity to trade Deshaun Watson. And, I mean, they could have fleeced teams. They could have gone three, four first-round picks for this guy. And I know that sounds crazy, but think about before all this off-field stuff came out, how hot that guy was. One of the best QBs in the league, had just signed a new contract, was nowhere near the price of a Mahomes contract. And you were, I mean, he was clearly the best player on the field for them. And, you know, I don't foresee those off-field issues coming for Russell Wilson by any means. That's not what I'm saying. But things can happen that greatly diminish value. Also, can you see the Seahawks accepting a deal that does not include at least a competent quarterback in return? Because they're not going to find their next guy in this draft, like you said, more than likely. I know it's hard to tell, but you know, the college football aficionado that you are, if anybody I know would know you, it would be you is the following season's drafts looking any more promising for quarterbacks. Yeah. It's, it's looking a lot better. Just think of the, um, the, 
college football championship, you have uh, Stenson Bennett, who not great talent, but he, he got Georgia to the, uh, the championship and win, win one. Uh, JT Daniels, the backup, is a highly talented prospect who started the season for Georgia, but, you know, injuries. And he also started the season, I started last year. And then you have Bryce Young for the Alabama Crimson Sides, who, if if you see Mac Jones and Tua and Jalen Hurts, seeing them ta- their talent, you know, progress almost tells you that Bryce Young should be on that same plateau. And then uh, uh, the name's escaping me at the moment. The Ohio State quarterback, uh, he's pretty good. Oh, uh, C.J. Stroud. Um, he played pretty – I mean, against Michigan, he kind of fell apart. And not that I didn't enjoy that. But hmm. uh, watching him actually in that game, though, it wasn't his fault. It, it was just a play calling in, in, in totality. Uh, because if you watch this draft, Chris, there's two talented Ohio State uh, wide receivers coming out that will be first-round picks. And there'll be a third one next year who might be better than these two and he'll be in the first round. So what I'm trying to say is there, the talent will be deep as long as people stay healthy, they perform to the expectations or minimum expectations. I would invest on trying to, if I'm a team and I'm looking at either an aging quarterback like Seattle, um, a decision, a decision at quarterback, like the, uh, the Cleveland Browns, I need to decide, am I going to go with what I have right now for this year and see what happens next year? And maybe I'll fall into one of those spots where I can grab them. Or do I just cut bait now, get draft picks for next year so I can try to move up? Because I I don't know if you heard, Chris, there is rumors. Which team was it? Uh, that, That number one is open for business. Oh, yeah, with this draft, absolutely. Number one is open for business. And I would not shock me if number two, three, and four were open for business as well. Yeah, um, it, it, bad bad year to have a top pick if you need a quarterback because there's, it just, is. there's there's nobody that's not – look, who knows what these players are going to develop into. But just scouting-wise, outside looking in, doesn't look like you're going to find your next league superstar in this draft. You never know what could happen. Right, but I mean, Dak was a fourth round pick. We all know Tom Brady's sixth round pick. Certainly are anomalies, but those are few and far between. So I, if I if if I'm the Seahawks and I trade Russ, and that's why I honestly ask you that question: is does it look better uh, two years out? It does. I say I don't give a shit about next year's quarterback or next year's first round pick. Let's if we're gonna do first round picks, let's start with the following year. Yeah, I, I would definitely go with. With a 2023 yeah. first so. round pick, I would I would absolutely get my hands on whatever I can. Um, right now, we're looking at, um, I guess, Detroit and Miami. Yeah, Detroit and Miami uh, have accumulated an extra first round pick. Um, Rams, because they, you know, the Jared Goff deal for, for Stafford. Which Eagles have off? too. Uh, this is for next year. I don't have that on this list, but it's, it's possible. Oh, oh this I'm that, looking at does. Yeah. Oh, 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 uh, this is probably not factoring in what you're talking about. The, um, the, um, stipulation that 
with uh, Carson Wentz, right? Yes. Yeah. So I don't think that's factored in here, but yeah, there, there's there's some teams that have already put themselves in position. Um, uh, the Detroit Lions, who already have a top pick this year, most likely will have a top pick next year. Um, and Miami, who is kind of in that, what are we going to do? But we have a quarterback. And as you pointed out, the Eagles, I think they're set. But these teams that have quarterbacks enter the top of the draft could put themselves in a position where they start selling off these picks because other teams are desperate. Cleveland Uh is going to be desperate because I don't know if this is going to work out with Baker Mayfield. I really don't. Well, this is his this be his fifth year, I believe, wouldn't it? They picked up his option. I think this is I think this is year five for Baker. This is this is it's either you you re-sign him or you franchise him. So if I were them and I'm not sure you want to do that, I think you trade him. I said I've said from the beginning, I think Baker and two first round picks to Seattle for us will be a great move. But Seattle apparently is determined to not to not trade him. I understand that franchise guy and it's hard to replace, but Got to look at the product on the field. I know you got two great receivers, uh, and but besides that and Russ, what notable do you have on that team? You don't have the Legion of Boom on defense. You have some talented players. It's not the Legion of Boom anymore. The offensive line is held together with you know duct tape and sticks. And I know that feeling. Trust me, as a Patriots fan, the last few years, uh, <laughs> Bengals fans certainly feel the pain there. So I mean, it. What do you what, what do you do? It, it's a tough one. It's not an easy decision. It's certainly not. It's not like oh yeah, we just trade them. That's easy. Right. A lot of bad things happen if you do. A lot of good things could happen if you do. You never know. Uh, that's why. <laughs> that's why GMs, when you see them year one, look about fifteen years younger than they do year two and three. All right, you had a nice story coming out of the combine. The combine, which uh, is, is it still going on today? I know it started on Thursday and, and went on Friday. Um, it should go until Sunday. Go until Sunday, okay. Uh, they had a lot, a lot of players, not quarterbacks, but wide receivers. They had, was it eight sub 4440s? Yeah. Uh, the running backs, I think they had eight or six or eight under like four or five. One of the QBs ran like a four seven. Uh, so while it's not necessarily the, the high top end talent that we've seen the last couple of years in the draft, you know, it's some athleticism in this draft. That's pretty impressive. Uh, absolutely, Chris. I think, um, as we know, speed kills in the NFL. But the problem can be is these guys are not in any sort of equipment. They're in the they are stripped down to skin tight outfits, and they're going to run as fast as they can and. They're training to run fast in a 40 time. And that doesn't always translate. Right. You know, John Ross was one of the fastest. No, he was the fastest. What does that produce for John Ross in the NFL? Not a whole lot. Unfortunately. Yeah. It doesn't compensate for injuries, unfortunately. So it's a nice little thing, but we shouldn't, um, it, it shouldn't be as glorified, um, Actually, funny thing that uh, popped up on my timeline on Twitter was uh, 
Hassan Haskins bench pressed. I don't know the number of the weight, um, but he bench pressed 27 times. If I can pull it up quick. I think the weight they do there is 250. Is it 250? I think it's 250. Is there, is there like their standard for, for like the bench press mark? Uh, uh, Hassan Haskins. I know Hassan Haskins because he is a Michigan product. That's is he any, any relation him. to Dwayne Haskins? Uh, I don't think so, but um, yeah, here it is. Hassan Haskins. It just says 27. Uh, but if it's a standard 250, then 27 times. And uh, Hassan Haskins is a running back, sir. Yeah, that's no, so that's that's. that's... That is that is no nothing to stick a stick at, and uh, I, I like him. You know, late second, early third round. He's a nice he's a nice complimentary back to a speed guy, in my opinion. Good between the tackle runner, he could shoulder the load for a team if he if they really wanted him to. But uh, we did have a nice story come out of Indianapolis as well. Mm-hmm. The the quarterback from Liberty College. And that is a uh, Division Two or um, FCS team, uh, FCS college, if you will. Uh, Malik Willis was caught on video handing out some swag to a homeless. Uh, don't want to say gentleman because I don't. I looked at the video. I didn't notice who it was, but it was a homeless individual. So, kudos to him for you know just handing out some free gear that was given to him by. Nike, Under Armour, Adidas, whoever, just handed him some stuff. Pretty cool. Um, he's probably one of the. I understand. I've I've crapped on this quarterback class a little bit, but he's probably the one of the three of the first round potential quarterbacks. Um, I don't know too much about him because he's from Liberty. Didn't get a much of television um, attention, but. I've heard some bits and pieces. I've seen some of his uh, combine work. He can spin it, and in, he can. He's got. A, he's got an arm. Let's put it that way. He's got an arm. He's got uh, versatility. He's got athletic ability. Uh, but I don't know much about him other than that, because I haven't done enough digging into him to see if he's, you know, is he going to be a project like Kyle, uh, Kyle Wilson and. Trey Lance, or is he more of a I mean, Zach Wilson? Puck? Zach Wilson. I I do that every time. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. Robert Robert uh, Robert Solid is the same thing. <laughs> uh, Kyle, get more... over here. Who's Kyle? Oh yeah, whatever. Get over here. Whatever your name is. Uh, or is he gonna be more like you know Justin Fields, where he's got he's got the talent, he's got the some polish, but he just needs to put it together a little bit. I'm not sure yet. I'd have to look at his some of his. Um, videos and, and, and see what we got coming out. But I, I know it's not a great class, but that's a great a great start to his career. Yeah. Just to do something. Um it didn't look like it was staged, which was uh, unfortunately that was the first thing that cro- came across my mind is like, was this staged? But it didn't look like it. It looked just like he left yeah. he, he left <laughs> he, he left the R uh, not the RCA dome. I don't know what a uh, Lucas Oil Stadium and just Ran into somebody and it's like, oh, yeah, here you go. Pulled some stuff out, gave it to him, and then just kind of walked off like nothing. 
you know what, staged or not, uh, somebody got helped at the end of the day who might need some help, so that's a positive thing. Shows character by that young man, which is nice. And, you know, you know, none of what you're saying about this not being a, a strong draft class is anything personal against any of these guys. It's just, you know, you're just observing what you see on the field and what you hear about. Uh, you know, and as of right now, I'm looking at a mock draft. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think uh, they have Malik Willis going to Pittsburgh at 20. Uh, so, be interesting. Because uh, Pittsburgh's gonna be in a position where that kid's going to have to start. <laughs> so, um, we'll see how Mike Tomlin does developing a young quarterback. I'm, I'm sure if the talent's there, he'll be he'll be fine. The thing about this draft that's kind of fun too, in a way, is it you know the last two years we've had big names, real big names headline. You know, a couple of years ago you had Joe Burrow number one. You had all those quarterbacks. Last year you had Trevor Lawrence. All those quarterbacks, and your focus is kind of on those players. Obviously, you're watching everybody. You're watching the game as a whole when it's played. But your main focus is on those guys. Your your Jamar Chases, your your top end guys. In a draft like this, it's not as exciting on draft day. But it's a lot of fun once the games actually start seeing who develops into what they thought people thought they were going to be, who flops, who exceeds, who comes out of nowhere. Because you don't really have in a, in a draft that's not as hyped as, as the last couple of seasons. You don't necessarily have that anticipatory build to it. Like, okay, we know Jags are taking Trevor Lawrence. Who's going at two? Who's going at three? Is Kyle Pitts going to fall in the top 10? Is Jamar Chase going to go to the team that needs the offensive lineman? Or is he going to the team that is, is going to try to go over the top with offense and receivers in the Bengals? I'm looking at, uh, like I said, at the uh, at a mock draft. It's just a mock, obviously. Things change. You never know. Yeah. Uh, first pick, uh, offensive tackle, edge rusher, edge rusher, offensive tackle, offensive tackle, uh, quarterback. The first quarterback allegedly off the board is uh, Kenny Pickett to the Panthers at six. And then yes. edge rusher, cornerback, linebacker, mm-hmm. wide receiver, first wide receiver, Garrett Wilson going to the Jets. Cornerback, edge rusher, wide receiver. So in the first 13 picks, there's three offensive players. So while that may not be on paper, the commissioner standing up there reading out the the stud quarterback's name for the first overall pick and that level of excitement, there's a certain different level of excitement that comes along with a draft like this because you just don't know. I mean, you never know, but you're not focused on all the big names primarily. You're looking at it across the board in a more broad spectrum going, in three years, is this going to be a bust draft class? I mean, there, there's bad overall drafts. Let's face it. There, there's times you look back five, six years in the past, and you you go, "Oh, who's who was this draft class?" And uh, there's not a lot of big names until you get you get down to like the second, third, fourth round, and you're like, "Oh, well, that person fell that low. That's crazy that this person was taken above them." And you know, as somebody who collects is a big collector of sports cards, uh. I before I go and I make a purchase, I usually look at if it's an older year, who was in that draft class, what potential rookies could I get? Man, there's some years where it's just star studded, it's packed, and there's other years where you're like, well, no wonder that's a third of the price of the other packs or boxes because there's just nobody to get in there. But outside of that, it does add a different level of excitement. So uh, I'm very much looking forward to when the season actually starts. Number one, because it'll give us far more topics. And two, to see who comes out of nowhere. 
that's always exciting. It's always nice stories to see. This guy, you know, is a, is a stud player now. He wasn't all that highly touted coming out of college. So that'll be fun. And, you know, good on um, good on Malik Willis. That's a, that, that's a solid move at a show that, like ours, where we really like to uh, push the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award as one of the bigger awards of the season uh, for, you know, people showing character and decency and overall, you know, helping helping their fellow man a little bit. Um, that's a nice move. It's, it's, it's a good move on him. And staged or not, you help somebody out, so that's a positive. Wanted to get into uh, a couple of, uh, you said maybe a little bit of free agent talk. Uh, we're not, we're going to talk about this extensively in the offseason, so we're not going to get too crazy about it today. Uh, I had a couple that weren't necessarily free agents, but they were rumored, and yeah, they were they're around the Patriots. I'm a Patriots fan, that's what I follow the most. Uh, apparently, according to a report this morning, they've kind of already soured on Nelson Aguilar and are looking to move on from him. Uh, why, I don't know. He didn't do anything really great on the field. He had an awesome year last year with the Raiders, or two years ago, came into the Patriots and didn't fit. Kendrick Bourne, without a doubt, the breakout star of the receiver draft class, or uh, free agent class that came for the Patriots, he looked phenomenal. You got guys like Jacoby Myers also, who I really hope they bring back. Um, just really, really good story. Seems like a really good guy. Really talented receiver. A few other names that came up, though. Uh, Robbie Anderson, who currently plays for the Panthers. Former Jet, a guy the Patriots are very familiar with. Uh, discussion, you know, they're discussing, apparently, discussing a trade with the, uh, the um, Panthers to try to acquire Robbie Anderson and move on from Aguilar. He would take Aguilar's spot. I think that would be an amazing fit because Robbie Anderson can, yes, he can run up and down the field, but he can also run really good routes and can burn defense in a lot of different ways. Got a guy like him and Bourne and Myers. You don't need... You don't need that number one guy that's going to go for a hundred balls a year. If you have, if you get him, great. You don't have to go and try to trade for DeAndre Hopkins. That's not the offensive Patriots run. That's not how they want to do things. Another one I saw was trading Nikhil Harry to the Arizona Cardinals for um, uh, what's the kid's name? Andy uh, Isabella. Anthony Isabella. Yeah. 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 Andy, Andy Isabella, who apparently uh, uh, he went to UMass and Nikhil Harry went to Arizona, Arizona State, some one of those schools. So they pretty much just swapping them back to where they went to college. Um, it's pretty clear Nikhil Harry's not the answer here. He's a third or fourth receiver at best. I had high hopes for him, but he just nothing on the field is showing that he's going to improve at all as a receiver. And Isabella is widely unknown because you have a team that drafted Rondell Moore last year, and Rondell Moore looked phenomenal for a rookie uh in, in, in a busy offense uh you know you have um deandre hopkins who i believe is signed through this season you have mm-hmm. christian kirk who had some real breakout games isabella kind of got lost in the shuffle so if he could be better and look let's face mm-hmm. it let's face it belichick is really good at turning speedy white guys into good receivers let's just call it what it is Call it what it is. Yeah, Wes Walker. You got Chris Hogan. You got uh, uh, um, Julian Edelman, Danny Amendola. Like, not that those guys didn't have talent before they got to the Patriots, but let's face it. You know, they excelled when they got to New England, and then after they left, with the exception of Welker having a good year in Denver, uh, didn't really do a whole lot. 
So that's the kind of guy Belichick can definitely do something with. If you had an Isabella, Anderson, Myers, and uh, Bourne as your four, you're not going to, neither one is is going to light up uh, a stat sheet, but you've got four mm-hmm. really steady receivers who can really cause the defense some problems. So that'd be interesting. Uh, the one that I sent you this morning, uh, allegedly the Cowboys are going to be releasing Amari Cooper because they looked, Jerry Jones finally looked at his bank statement and said, how much am I paying this asshole? Um, no, I'm just, again, nothing personal against Amari Cooper, just on the field. He shows up three times a year. Not yep. a personal problem with the man himself. Know nothing about him personally, but on the field, he's overrated. Yeah. Apparently there was a uh, a vote amongst fans, which obviously doesn't count for anything when it comes to actual trades, but yeah. uh, that the Patriots would be the team he'd be playing for next season. And uh, we were both, nope, 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 nope. <laughs> Let's not. No. That's not what I said, Chris. Yeah, well, you said middle finger, smiley face, emoji, middle finger. I said nope, nope, nope. Um, I look, look, okay. Let me rephrase that. He has the talent. If Belichick yeah. talks to him and he yep. determines he can get the most out of this guy, and they're not paying him what he's making now, ah, uh, there's the key, Chris. There's the right caveat. There. If they're paying him, you know, a much lower salary. Even if it's a one-year prove-it deal, which would work out for everybody. He can prove it. Mac Jones gets a talent to got to throw to, another talent to got to throw to for another season. He gets to develop. That's cool. <clears throat> then if you want to take a shot and you don't think you have a legit chance at any of the other guys and you just want to bring them in to see, okay. Because I remember a lot of people down on Randy Moss, although Randy Moss showed loads more talent uh, before he went to the Raiders than... Uh, Mr. Cooper has. But still, it's a case of a receiver people kind of think is doesn't quite has, has lost a step, if you will. Um, you know, it's kind of funny. People are so high on Cooper thinking he's a stud number one. And when Moss was traded, people were saying he was a schmuck who was washed up. And all he did was go on to have three or four more fantastic seasons. Uh, so I, for one, at his current going rate, I'm not one for Amari Cooper. I'd rather they pull off both of these other trades. Go get Isabella. Go get Robbie Anderson. Resign Jacoby Myers. You have Kendrick Bourne. Have those four guys. Maybe draft somebody and see what you end up with. Cool. Rather that than letting those guys walk and having Bourne and Cooper and then just randomly guessing at who else is going to work out, I guess. I'd, I'd much rather have... Give me... Give me like four high two or, or, or low two, high three receivers on most teams mm-hmm. over one ace and a bunch of guys no one's ever heard of. Because Cooper's listed as an ace. He's listed as a top offensive weapon. He just isn't. The numbers don't support it. They never have. I don't understand it. But that's just my rant. If he ends up being a Patriot, that's my team. I'm going to hope he does well. You know. But I, I I don't have high hopes in that offensive setup for a guy like Amari Cooper. It just it's not it doesn't match his skill set. So if 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 you don't mind, Chris, um, if I could go to the flip side of what uh, you're talking about, you're mentioning guys that could be traded. Here's a couple guys for the Patriots that. Not only could they bring in to the draft, 
but they've been actively talking to. You have John Amitre, Slay Bolden, and Jameis, uh, Jameis Will- Williams. I believe that's how he pronounces his name. Those first two names suddenly create a character on Madden. I'm just going to say that. Jameis and Williams, yeah. Now, they are not created. Uh, unfortunately, John Miche, um was injured for the playoffs. So I think he got injured early in the season. This season. So you didn't see much of him. Uh, Jameis Williams got injured in the semifinal against um, against not Michigan. Um, God, who the, uh, Cincinnati. Uh, so he didn't play in the championship. And then Slay Bolden is, as you put it, Chris, describing uh, Andy and Isabella, the speedy white guy of the group. The gym rat? Yes. So, and I bring these three guys up because all three of these gentlemen played with Mac Jones. Oh. So, so they have ties. And if we look back to this past year, Chris, Jamar Chase had, you would call, pretty good success. With, <laughs> yeah, he, he uh, did all right. He did okay. With Joe Burrow, I mean, I don't want to say you have to fill up the wide receiver roster with Alabama players, but if you look at Jacoby Myers, he's a restricted free agent. Um, Kendrick Bourne, he's obviously signed. You're mentioning uh, Nelson Aguilar. Don't know where we're going to go with that. You could make a trade for Robbie Anderson. You can make a trade for Andy Isabella. I think what you want to do is you want to get yourself John John Miche or or Jameis Williams. Um, Slay Bolton's nice, but he's you know if if you get yourself Andy Isabella, you've already figured your slot receiver out, and now you can get yourself uh, in the draft late in the draft a nice wide receiver. John Miche is is going to be a second, third-round pick because of the injury. And Jameis Williams, who's super talented, a speed guy, takes the top off the defense. With that torn ACL, he might not be ready. You're talking late first-round pick, early second round, kind of where Bill likes to land. So there's a possibility there. That's just my uh, off-the-cuff, just thinking where they might go. Um, right now, he's stated at 25 to Buffalo. Yeah. But the pass up and, 21st pick, so you could see that happen. Right. And then I've seen drafts where Kansas City's taking them because they can they can stash them uh, and, and be prepared for that moment when they need to replace one of their uh, players. Mm-hmm. Byron Pringle's uh, free agent. Demarcus Robinson's a free agent. They haven't replaced Sammy Watkins. There's a lot that can go down at the bottom of that draft. But I think a nice marry between either either free agency slash trading, marrying that with the draft, I think could upgrade the wide receiver without, as you pointed out, without needing to break the bank for a number one. Because, you know, I, I just – I like where they're going, but they need to make improvements. You can build on Kendrick Board and, and Jacoby Myers. I'll yeah. ask you this, Chris. Though okay. there are, I have a list of free agent wide receivers. Free agents means you can give them money and they're good. Are any of these guys um, high on your priority list 
for the Patriots. Devontae Adams. No. Chris Godwin. 100%. Throw the bag out. Yeah. Yep. Allen Robinson. Uh, for the right price? Sure. Yeah. Uh, Juju. <sighs> Juju doesn't have between the ears, man. I don't mean he's not smart. He, he's way he's just too goofy. He has the physical talent, but he's too into his TikTok. Uh, William Fuller. <sighs> too injury prone. Yep. Odell. You know, yeah, I take a shot at Odell. 100%. I don't think you give him a... You know, Odell's problem has never been off the field. Yeah. He's a right. passionate player. And Odell said it a couple of years ago, and he was 100% right. Odell throws a little tantrum, not tantrum, but Odell throws, shows emotion on the sideline, and it, he's bad for it, and it's news. You know, if Tom Brady did it, Peyton Manning did it, they're competitors. They're passionate. Uh, I've never heard a teammate say anything negative about Odell. So I I, I take a shot at Odell, 100%. Especially after seeing how he did in uh, with the Rams. Guys still got it. So and the and the rumors that he was close to going to New England. Yep, I, I for one think he stays in L.A. I do too. I think him and Cup and, and Robert Woods, if Woods is still uh, signed, have a really talented three headed monster, and the Rams make another run for it. But absolutely, uh, Devontae Adams. Um, if you asked him before all this Aaron Rodgers stuff went down, I would say absolutely anybody should take a shot at Devontae Adams. He is. So comfortable holding a franchise hostage with his talent and his playing ability as he doesn't get what he wants with this whole Aaron Rodgers thing that all the talent in the world, he could be a headache. Unbelievably talented. Best receiver in the game. What he's going to cost? Nah. Uh, Chris Chris Godwin? Yeah. You say how much, if I'm them, I go to Chris Godwin, I say, what's it going to take? You want to come to New England? You want to come to New England? We're going to make a deal. Come on. Absolutely. Chris Godwin, I throw the freaking bag at. That guy is so freaking good. He could be the one we need without having to get the number one stats to be happy. He's got a good attitude. He's the perfect fit for a Belichick offense. His current market value, Chris, uh, where I look, is five years, 90 million, 18 mil per year. Which will put him six. You just gave Nelson Aguilar 13 and a half a year. Yep. 100% worth it. This guy's a game changer. He is so good. Like, he. Chris Godwin, healthy, top five receiver in the league. 100%. And Tampa's so I, not going to tag him again for a second year in a row. There's no right. way, especially not coming off some injury issues. If those issues are cleared up and he's healthy, ready to go, he's still young enough to bounce back from that. Absolutely. You give him that five year deal for whatever he, you know, that, that amount. Done with it. You got your number one set for the next half decade. 100% Chris Godwin. So I got three more names to throw at you. I think two of them are pretty easy. Um, Michael Gallup and Christian Kirk. I I would take a shot at either of those guys, honestly. Especially Michael Gallup. I don't think Michael Gallup ever got a chance to shine down there in Dallas. So you got a guy coming in with all the talent in the world. Yep. Without the big ego. I mean, because he had he had guys in front of him that were number ones. I mean, there's a Mario Cooper that was there, and then C.D. Lamb comes in, and no matter what you want to say, C.D. Lamb, he's the one, but he was at least the two the minute he walked in that door. I say, absolutely take a shot in Gallup because I think he's going to be, I think he's going to be in like the Kendrick Bourne range, 
for price. I think it absolutely afford him and add somebody else. So I, I, I'd go with Gallup and Kirk. We've seen flashes. That whole Arizona offense was inconsistent last year towards the end. So you can't really punish just him for that. So I would, I would take a shot at him too. He is fast and he runs routes really well. So this one's the most appealing one, Chris, in, in my opinion, because what they're projecting is market value, uh, age, what he's shown on the field and what potential he has. Um, DJ Chark. Oh, man. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, first of all, Jacksonville should not let this guy walk. Not developing a young quarterback in the new system. There's absolutely no way DJ Shark should be allowed to walk. Um, but 100% take a chance on him. Because, again, he had a really, really good rookie year. And then he had some some in- issues with injuries. But when he performed, it was hel- when, excuse me, when he was healthy, he performed at a relatively high level. And you can't fault anybody in that Jacksonville team the last two seasons with the mess they were, you know, for not for not doing well. He had Minshew down there three seasons ago during his rookie year, and he did well. Minshew again, Minshew's not a number one, or he's not you know an upper echelon elite player, but he's a solid enough quarterback. He can run an offense, and he and Shark had a nice relationship. And then they, you know, then they brought in, uh, uh, no, no, they brought in Foles and then that's Foles got hurt. And that's why, that's why Minshew was able to play. So I think it was two years ago. Either way though, he's had a couple of, uh, you know, a couple of seasons that were played with injury, but he's young enough and the talent's there. Absolutely. I think I shot a shark. He's currently, uh, 25 and a half. Yeah. Age wise. Yeah. So no, all day, all day. I think I shot him. The talent's there. And what's funny, Chris, is uh, he's he's I think he's got the right size and ability. Mm-hmm. Yep, that he could just fit right into the system. Yep. As a free agent, you give him the money that you gave. You essentially could give him the money, or maybe a little less than with more years that you gave Nelson Aguilar. Mm-hmm. And I believe you can still make the deal for Robbie Anderson. Uh, nice little swap of Nelson Aguilar. Now you have a sneaky good wide receiver core mm-hmm. where you bring back Jacoby Myers, you have Kendrick Bourne, you have DJ Chark, you bring in Robbie Anderson. It's not an old group. It's it's relatively young. Robbie Anderson would probably be the oldest one in the group, and I think he's in his late 20s. I, I don't think he's hit 30 yet. So and that and I think that just opens up what you could do with Johnu Smith, because obviously, as we've seen, they need to figure out Johnu Smith. And I think that'll open up opportunities for Hunter Henry. Totally. And yeah. if you and if you look at it, uh, uh, Robbie Anderson, what I've seen, he doesn't have a problem blocking. No. Jacoby Myers doesn't have a problem blocking. Kendrick Bourne doesn't have a problem blocking. The question would be, does DJ Chark have an issue blocking? Because if he doesn't, now you have an entire wide receiving core that – can help build on that running game. And that running game is just going to help the, the passing game. It, it, it's complete synergy with that offense. And if you wanted to, you can go into the draft and, and get, you know, two guys from Alabama, one, either one of them that have injury that you can shelve for a year and maybe bring in next year when someone becomes available that you're not going to resign or, Whatever happens, or if, like like you said, Nelson Aguilar had a great, not great, a really good 
gear with the Raiders. Not so good with the Patriots. Yeah, didn't fit the system. Maybe something doesn't work, but you know this this opens up opportunities. But I think you're right about DJ. I can't see Jacksonville. No, realistically letting them go. But you want to do that next week? You want to take the top the top ten uh, since we're we're coming up on free agency anyways, and a lot of these guys are going to get signed pretty quick. You yeah, want to take the top the top ten free agent receivers and and uh, give a little prediction where they're going to go. I kind of kind of already started it, but yeah. But I mean, officially that. though, but we well, we decided yeah. you know we didn't we didn't say like oh you already started it. I already started. Oh, okay, yes. I was gonna say we only just discussed like would they be good for the fit for the Patriots. Um, you know, I'm glad you brought up some of those. I don't want to say lesser guys, but some of the not elite level like the Godwins and and Adams because realistically, as much as I'd love to see the Patriots sign Chris Godwin, and as much as I think he'd be a tremendous fit, I don't think. I know they went out and they spent a ton of money last year in free agency. I don't think they go out and they sign him. I, I think they should, and I think they can. The, the cap room will be there, especially if they move some stuff around. I don't think they will. I think what you're going to see is them go for some of the next tier down guys. Instead of going for the A1, you're going to see them go for the the really talented, like really talented number twos, Um, as at least so far in their careers. And I think that's kind of the offense that Belichick runs the best. And I think Mac Jones can thrive in that offense, especially with the running game they have. That running game's not going anywhere. They had Damian Harris, who is a beast if he can stay healthy. Uh, and they still have um, oh, the other kid. How did I forget the other kid's name? Uh, remind you, Stevenson, who yeah. doesn't look like a schmuck himself. He looked great when, when, he, had, when he had the opportunity this year. Uh, then they always have Belichick's always good at bringing in those those other guys the the you know the the Kevin Falk types the Shane Vereen well, types. We have, we have James White coming back. It, well, there's only a one year deal. He may not be coming back. He's going to be a free agent. So I hope he does. True. That's why I didn't I didn't include him in there because obviously if he's back, he is primary part of that offense, hundred percent. But you have that. You don't necessarily need to go out and get a Devontae Adams, Chris Godwin for this offense. Like I said, we got Kendrick Bourne, Jacoby Myers, draft somebody maybe. And then you bring in somebody, if it'd be like a DJ Shark level, trade for Robbie Anderson. Absolutely. That would make a huge difference. Like you said, those guys don't have a problem blocking and doing the down and dirty stuff in the trenches. And then they can also go out and make some great spectacular plays. That's what you have to do. When the Pats had uh, Edelman, Chris Hogan, uh, Danny Amendola, you know, they none of those guys individually lit the world on fire, but they were solid, scrappy, like solid number twos caliber, like talent on that team who made some big plays and he opened it up for the rest of the guys. That's what you need. Their offense isn't built to have a, you know, when they had a Randy Moss and a Wes Walker, it was great. Well, Wes Walker was able to do what he was able to do because of Randy Moss. Let's be honest. Um, but they had the mod. That was awesome. But it was also like, oh, if that one connection doesn't work now, <laughs> what's the offense look like? And as we found out in the Super Bowl that year, not great. Right. So I'm just going to keep ranting here because I start going on it. We started talking about the draft and everything. But, uh, yeah, we want to do that next week. We'll do the top ten free agent receivers and where we think they're going to go. Want to get yep. into that? Yep. All right. That seems to be the big – the big uh, – 
biggest part of this this year's draft class is the receiver talent. So we're going to go with that. Uh, we got to get to a point now. We started start doing some kind of list every week because the content's coming in so slow, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> can only talk about how stupid Rob Manfred is for so long before everybody just gets tired of it because they already know. Anything else? Or are you good? All set. All right. That's going to wrap it up for episode one sixty seven. Yes. I checked the podcast feed, and I finally have the number right. Believe it or not, we were wrong on that for about three weeks, which was really crazy considering I download it every week but or upload it. But if you have any questions on this episode, past episodes, or anything else sports-related in general, Ben and I'd love to hear from you. And where can they get in touch with us? Well, you can hit us up on Twitter. That's at BCTSpod. Facebook, Ben and Chris Talk Sports. The website, BCTSpod.com. And Instagram, Ben underscore Chris Talk Sports. And if you have not done so yet and you feel so inclined, please go to wherever you download your favorite podcast and leave a rating and a review and subscribe and ask a friend to do the same. We'd greatly appreciate it. For Ben, I am Chris. Please stay safe, stay healthy. We will see you right back here next Saturday. Thank you.